comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. All connected. Everything. We are live. Says we're going. Yeah. Here we, we are is. live. We are live. We are live. So, how many did you guys watch? Five. I watched four, starting at uh, six a.m. Yeah, I started. I did four. I got up about five a.m. Made some coffee, and about halfway through my fourth episode, work called me. I had to go in, so that was pretty much the end of that. But I did manage to go back and watch one and two again in preparation for tonight. Got to do my proper show prep. Yeah. Yeah, I watched uh, the first five. Actually, I watched I watched the first four. I had to run out, do a few errands, uh, came back, and then watched the fifth episode, and then went back and kind of rewatched at one and two, so I could get notes and do all that kind of stuff right. for prep. And what do we prep for? What is this? This is this all connected? Episode fifty-eight. Speak of the Devil, episode 34. <laughs> There's a callback and a half. Oh my gosh, Speak of the Devil, yeah. How many episodes of that made it? It was 30-something. Oh, yeah. was it in the 30s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. we, were going, we were going hot and heavy for a while, and um, then the book started to suck, which was a real drag. <laughs> Something called Shadowland. Yeah, Shadowland oh, yeah. was the death of it. You were excited about that, thinking it was going to be good, weren't you? You know what? The lead-up was really good, so it was a shame that the that the crossover itself wasn't. But it was also a period of the HHW LOD podcasting life when we were doing like five shows a week each. Yeah, yeah. So I think all at once we were like, Daredevil sucks right now, and I'm going to end up divorced. So <laughs> Lost his maybe, ending, all that happened, yeah. Maybe yeah. let's drop a show. Yeah. Okay. But this isn't so, about uh, the Daredevil comic. No, this is about the uh, MCU, the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. This is It's all connected. My name is Ken Morgan, and we are joined by Johnny M., played by Matt Murdock. Yes. And Russell Latham. hey And this is our first uh, live Google Hangout video episode, and we decided we'd do this in honor of the first, the debut of the Netflix shows, starting with Daredevil, which has been fully released today. It's been out there for, I don't know, what, about 18 hours, I think? Roughly. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, we're here to talk about that. We're going to talk about, we're going to limit our conversation tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about episodes one and two, which I believe are called Into the Ring and Cut Man. Yeah, and I think, I think what we'll try to do is talk strictly about episode one and let you know when we're starting episode two. Mm. We'll try not to bounce back and forth too much so that anybody that hasn't watched the second episode yet can stop and come back later and and so forth. But we are spoiling. Right. 
and we're going to do our best. We have, we are going to spoil those episodes. We are going to do our best to not talk about what's to come because we obviously have seen more than just these uh, episodes, as we've, as we've said. But I don't think that would be too difficult because these two episodes are fairly well self-contained. Uh, they're actually very good introduction episodes to the world, to the characters, and even a little bit to their place in the bigger MCU. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed, you know, if we're going to jump right in, uh, I really enjoyed the interweaving of the uh, of the origin. You know, like you said, they w- they threw us right in, but they didn't beat us over the head with the Battle of New York and the aliens and the Chitari and Avengers. Yep. They really just kind of mentioned it in passing. That two, nat- uh, two natural instances where they mentioned it. Yeah, the uh, the realtor called about the incident. Yeah, uh, as she called it, and it's like, well, that's easier than saying death and destruction raining from the sky, nearly wiping Hell's Kitchen off the map. So I was like, ah, I know what she's talking about there. Uh, but and- even better than that, I like the scene with uh, uh, all the uh, crime family heads, or whatever they actually, they actually are, uh, and the uh, the American businessman talking about how it's uh, heroes and their consequences. That's why we're in business. You know, yeah. Every, every time one of these guys punches another one through a wall. Uh, it's it's money in our pockets, so, right? Yeah, it actually one of the things I thought was cool is, and we talked about this before, and you know, John, especially, I mean, you live in the greater New York area, I guess I sh- I, sh- I could say, and you know, Hell's Kitchen is not Hell's Kitchen. You know, the Hell's Kitchen of today is not the Hell's Kitchen of the seventies and eighties. And one of the things I think the show did using the Battle in New York kind of as a catalyst was to say this is why it looks and is the way it is. It's, it almost gave a valid reason for there need to be a rebuilding of hell's kitchen and a reason that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's in a, not in a, in a proper state as, as it, as we know it today. Right. Really was ingenious or, you know, it was either a softball that somebody hit out of the park or somebody had a great idea. You know, it just works so well that how can we get hell's kitchen to be, you know, the nightmare that it once was. Well, how about rebuilding after an alien invasion? Yeah, you know, and, and it makes sense. It's a, it's a, it was a great way to tie it into bigger MCU. Yeah, we saw in the previews, and we saw it. Well, it wasn't in one of these two episodes. Um, the line about if you had an iron suit or a magic hammer, you know that that was bordering on cheesy for me when I heard it in the trailer. But it wasn't the only uh, reference to to tie us back to the bigger MCU. To jump back a little bit, one of the things uh, that I had on my notes to talk about a little bit was just the production of it. And I don't know what you guys thought. I mean, when you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., when you watch Agent Carter, even, you know, when you watch, like, Flash and Arrow, it it looks like a television show. I mean, there's it's no mistake. It's a TV mistake- show, yep. Yeah, there's no mistaking it as a TV show. This looked like film. I mean, it, yes. it had... See, it absolutely did. It felt like a movie. It certainly felt bigger than TV. I'm going to make an odd uh, comparison here, but go with me here. I was actually reminded about my experiences with um, Star Wars The Clone Wars. When that premiered, if you remember, it premiered in the theaters as a quote-unquote movie. Um, really, it was just the first three episodes of the series stitched together, put on screen. And I went to see it all excited, and I was horribly disappointed at what I got. Because what I got wasn't a Star Wars movie. It was a cartoon on a movie screen. And I never gave it a chance. Now, jump forward a year or so, I finally went back and watched it, and I was like, wow, this actually is pretty good. That, I think, Daredevil is actually in the same position. It's not really big enough to be a movie. At least it's not 
like if, if this was on the screen, I might have had a, a similar experience. It's not big enough to be a, to be a full feature movie, but it's much bigger than a television show and just works. It's, it feels grand or grander than it should for the way I'm watching it. I would, yeah. I would add into that statement and, and change it a little bit and say it's big enough to be a feature movie. It's not big enough to be a Marvel feature movie. Maybe. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think it holds up with any of the crime thrillers that we're getting, you know, uh now with starring Liam Neeson or Sean Penn. Like I think <laughs> I think it holds up okay. against any of those, but maybe not against Winter Soldier or The Avengers. Okay. And sure. I will say as far as TV shows go, you put this against any of the cookie-cutter crime dramas out there, it stands up far above any of them. And that's kind of the quality we've been getting from the Netflix original More series. Less, Ken, yeah. I don't know which ones you watch. You know, I know Russ and I watched Marco Polo and uh, that Orange heard is the New Black. Getting, that I'm hearing isn't holding up to the level that a House of Cards or even Orange is the New Black is, is getting. But Daredevil certainly meets up with those expectations. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing, not to digress too much, but with Marco Polo is it's shot like a big budget movie you look at marco polo and whether you like the story and the actors and what they're doing visually it's incredible i mean it is it is a it is a work of art on on the on the television screen and what they were able to do with that budget um is is pretty remarkable with with daredevil obviously the budget is lower than it is for say agents of shield or even you know definitely arrow or um or uh, the Flash, but you wouldn't really know it by by looking at it. And I think I think they're smart because it, it's not trying to be so grand. It's not, uh, you know, I, I mean, they do location shooting, but the it, you know the, the cameras are pretty tight. The uh, a lot of it's shot at night. Um, it's they're pretty innocuous locations. Like it, it doesn't look like they had to do a ton of set dressing to make it look right. I mean, it's just you know like. Hey, we're in this empty office space, or we're in this, you know, sparsely um, decorated apartment, or a warehouse building, or you know, whatever. And and it works for this series. I mean, I don't think you can do Agents of Shield that way because it's not that kind of show. But for Daredevil, which is this gritty, um, you know, crime drama actiony kind of movie, it definitely works, and you can get away with it that way. I think the. One of the great things for me uh, in the first couple of episodes here that we're talking about uh, was the cast. I mean, of course, I don't have any actors' names in front of me. Uh, obviously, Deborah Ann Wall um, is awesome, and Foggy is spot-on Foggy for me. Yeah, and I, it's funny because when they originally announced the casting and they showed the picture of the actor, I mean, he kind of looked it, but I didn't, I didn't know how he would how it work out and Eldon Henson is his name and I'm not familiar with any of his work. He kind of has that face where he looks somewhat familiar, but I couldn't, I can't point to anything he's been in uh, that I've seen, or if I have seen it, I, I can't, I couldn't put him as, as in the, in the show. I guess he was in the hunger games. Um, Mockingjay part one. He's been in some TV stuff. Oh yeah. I know who he would have been. Sure. Yeah. 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 Pollux. He's in Pollux. Yep, part he's, one he's, he's, he's funny as he's a Navox, which means he doesn't have any speaking roles. His tongue was cut out. Oh, how funny. Uh, but yeah, he's done, he's done some TV stuff, but yeah, I agree, John. I mean, when, once he started in the role, especially his interactions with Karen page, it, it really good choice. I mean, he's kind of that fumbly, 
you know, I hate to even say naive, but just kind of like slightly dopey. He's yeah, yeah. I I I very satisfied with him. Very satisfied with uh, with with all the main the main cast. Um, my only my only regret for this episode is we really don't get a chance to talk about uh, Vincent D'Onofrio yet because he you really don't see him until episode three. So that's as much as I'll say about that. But there's a lot to talk about when we get there. Yeah, I mean we get to hear him. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you. It, and it's interesting too because they they again it's a 13 episode TV series. You can you can go further with that. You can drag that out where again two hour movie. You you know the villain tends to be first and form uh, and foremost, especially in these movies nowadays. Um, the you know superhero movies where the villains are are such top build cast uh, and actors that you know again he was probably the most recognizable name uh, coming into this series, right? And uh, to not have him show up until episode three, and then even at the I mean not to get too much away, but he he doesn't show up right away in episode three either. Um, you know is 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 pretty interesting how they how they do that. Right. Going back a little bit. So some number stuff. So just to see how this compares to we talked about House of Cards. We talked about uh, the other stuff. So we don't have specifics on like but what budget was. But I, w- I was able to do some digging. And so Netflix. So they, they ponied up 200 million for 60 episodes of TV, which kind of translates to about 3.3 million per episode on average. And now granted, I'm sure. Pilots of each of the four series are, are, you know, probably have a slightly higher budget. Uh, the Defender stuff may have a slightly higher budget, and you know, they they get some economies of scale in the middle. You know, with you know, once you build a set or have a set set up, it's it's kind of there. Um, but so House of Cards cost a hundred million for two seasons, so twenty six episodes cost a hundred million dollars. So that's almost on average a little less than four million per episode. Um, and uh, it, Mad Men, AMC spends about two and a half million per episode on Mad Men. The Walking Dead costs about two point seven five million per show. Um, so that's not not too bad. That you know these are going to be slightly above even Walking Dead level um, stuff. And now Agents of Shield, the pilot for Agents of Shield, uh, Disney ABC spent thirteen million on it, which is is pretty um, that's a pretty fair amount of money, right? Now, Netflix does not, nor do they really need to, um, release uh, downloads or viewership or things like that, ratings. They don't They don't need to, but they don't do, generally do it, do they? No. No. They'll, I think they'll be coy and just say, most downloaded show ever, or um, we're really pleased with the numbers, or we're satisfied with where we're at. They, they speak in very general terms, not in absolute terms, so... I think if the more specific we hear about this show after um, a week or two passes by, I think the better the news is. Because if they're very specific about, uh, or if they're a little more specific than they have been, then that must mean that they're over the moon with with how it's performing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so far, obviously this is very early, but it doesn't come off as a show that would cost a ton to make. You know, there's there's some practical... Make up special effects for a lot of deep cuts, sure. Um, but you know, n- I, no CGI that I can think of. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some explosions that are fake, maybe as we go along. But yeah, yeah. You know, the the settings aren't like we've talked about a little bit. You know, they're not really extravagant sets. You know, it's based in New York, 
a lot of streets, a lot of restaurant interiors, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. The um, and they don't spend a lot of money on um, quote unquote special effects with with his abilities. That's one of the main notes I made is that we got to see his abilities, his powers, like you know the the his senses in play, but they did not. They don't put the focus on them. They didn't make them really even connect them to the fact that he was like it was a chemical spill. Other than that's what made him blind. Um, all they they're just this is what he can do, and not even exploring that. Uh, big departure, and I'm not criticizing it. I'm just commenting on it. Big departure from how they emphasized it in the movie with uh, with Ben Affleck. Yeah, and and we've said you know ever since this television uh if, if we're even calling it that everything ever since this series was talked about it was like you know daredevil has kind of an iffy origin and i wonder how they're going to handle you know the ooze giving him radar sense um and like you said they haven't even really mentioned it he can and he doesn't talk about it either no they, they you know there was one line in episode two where um claire pointed it out you know, it's like you can you can smell a guy from three floors away, but other than that, you 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 you'll get an effect where he can hear the heartbeat differently, or the you know other sounds in the area. I'm trying to control what I'm talking about, but you know they don't they don't emphasize it. They don't emphasize like oh I'm going to use my superpower ability to be able to you know hear him or use my superpower to stop to to raise the raised ink on read the read the raised ink on my money. You know whatever they're not they're not doing that. And it's almost like they're attributing it to the fact that he has honed his senses, that he's just kind of gone out of his way to embrace the fact that he has uh, this disability and he's right. using it to turn it into a plus. And, and you know, he you know he mentions, you know, talking about, well, you can't think of it as, as just the five senses, that, you know, you need to, to think of it another way. And I, I think that's the focus. Uh, is, right. is and they're just... doing it. They're, they they sh- did show that he had um, his senses seem heightened from an early age. They show when the bell rang when he was yes. younger. Uh, other things like similar to that nature definitely was uh, uh, impacted by it. But to go back to back to the point originally made, talking about budget, they didn't spend any money on really showing us that. A couple of filters here and there with 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 the heartbeat, but not like that sonar effect. Not, none, none of that. They're wasting money on, nor nor do they need to. They're they're presenting it through the story itself, which is the better way to do it. Yeah, it's it. It almost like when they do it that way, it's one of those things. If you're not going to go full bore with it and just pour a ton of money into it, it just ends up being a distraction because right and and, and it's. For me, it's almost like a cheat because then you could get around some of the action and some of the choreography and things like that because you just go into this heightened sense mode and then he just kind of sees through walls and all this crazy kind of stuff. And they've opted to just show the action, like focus on what you're actually seeing and and what go a lot more practical on it. So on the one hand, it definitely helps by uh lowering the budget because you don't have all this extra CGI work but two it makes it less distracting you don't get this jarring change from regular film you know watching everything happen to this crazy CGI wireframe or however they decide to do it uh you know by however the visual effects designers decide to make his powers work do you guys have any specific comments on uh into the ring the first episode uh, i love i don't know why but 
you know, we talked about we we're concerned about humor and just, you know, that this is going to be a lot more serious and how they're going to inject humor. And I think, again, this is typical Marvel. This is a lot more subtle humor than, you know, we see on even like on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But the bit with Foggy and the cop and him giving his mom cigars, I don't know why that just cracked me up. Yeah. I just um, built in the humor to the natural dialogue. But yeah. we haven't seen the cop. You know, I haven't seen that cop in the episodes I've seen other than that first bit. So I, I kind of thought he was going to be more recurring. Maybe he he'll still will be. I did too. I did too. Um, the Turk was a little more hardcore. Did you notice that too, John? That the Turk's a little more hardcore than we've seen him. Um, yeah, yeah. The the Turk is a more of a bumbler in the uh, in the comics, uh, kind of like who, Bubbles from uh, The Wire. Yeah. Anybody? Who's, who's this we're talking about? Uh, well, that's a, it's a good point. If you're not a comic reader of Daredevil, you probably don't know the name. Um, Turk is the African-American gangster guy who sells the gun out of the back of the car, which mm-hmm. might not be episode one or two. It is one or two, yeah. Well, he, it, it comes back to three, but it's in one and two. In episode one, he's the guy that opens the container with the girls, and he's he's yep. the one that said these are they're a thousand bucks a head or whatever. So okay. he's, he's like actively involved in human trafficking, which, again... Right, a little higher level than the Turk that we know. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. I uh, I love the, uh, you know, right off the bat, the Karen, Foggy, Matt stuff. Like, when the three of them come together and they're doing the banter thing, I just smiled a bunch of times. I think they the chemistry is fantastic so far. Yeah, yeah. I really, so I, I was a fan of Charlie Cox in Bro- uh, Boardwalk Empire. Uh, he played an Irish. Uh, he, play, he played somebody from Ireland. Had an Irish accent. Um, ended up kind of becoming the right hand man to the ma- the main character for several seasons, uh, and it just he just did a really good job. And I see a lot of similarities to the way he plays Matt Murdock. Subtle, um, you know, just just real kind of calm and collected. And I just I really like his his Matt Murdock. And again, like you said, John, I think. The chemistry between Deborah Ann Wall and and the actor that we mentioned that plays Foggy, it, it's it's it is well done, and I I I really like the Foggy Karen stuff too. I mean, we and we've seen more of that at least at this point than we have even the Matt and Karen stuff. Cool. Yeah, and I guess we should mention at the end when they head into Fogwell's gym, um, mm-hmm. which again is a name from the comics. Um, the poster on the wall shows, uh, you know, Crusher Creel. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we know that name from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're assuming that this would be his father. No, this no, is the same guy. Oh, yeah, same, same guy. guy. Okay. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah, because I think, so, yeah, Matt's like 10 or 11, I guess, when the accident mm-hmm. happens. They're just out of law school, so they're, you know, 20, and they pass the bar. 20, so 27, 24, yeah, 27, yeah, so it's... Yeah. Within 15 years, so you're going from a young a young fighter 15 years ago, we'll call it, when he, against going against uh, Jack Murdoch, you know, has his career and is eventually you know goes on the index and everything. We know what happens to him, but I, you know, this is this is a clearly uh, an episode two thing, because that's where we really will talk about him. It's interesting so I'll too. To get to, I'll wait till we get to episode two. Yeah, in we'll the clean for the listeners. Yeah, and the flashbacks that we've seen, we don't really see. Any fighting, we don't see his father. You know, they didn't really. It's put not an about that, though. It's about no. it's about Matt's relationship to his father's fighting. Absolutely, it's really what it's about, and that's what we got to see. All yeah. the, the couple of fights we saw, we saw Matt watching or listening to it on yep. TV and his reaction. Yep. Yeah, definitely not a criticism at all. I just thought it was no, an interesting. No. 
uh, interesting choice. choice. Yeah, yeah. And some of the fighting stuff is a little inconsistent when, you know, they they kind of make Matt's dad out to be like a lifetime loser, like more losses than wins type of guy, a journeyman, you know, uh, older fighter. But then, like, if you listen to Matt talk to the priest, you know, he has this ability to, like, basically go nuts and beat the crap out of anybody. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. so how why didn't that losses... come out more? Yeah, how many of those losses were him throwing the fights? See, and that's, that's what that was a big piece of the second episode was was that part of Jack's life and how he felt about it because he felt he was doing the right thing to um, be able to provide for Jack, for 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 Matt. But then that all changed after Matt's injury, and he's like, "No, I, I got to do better." And uh, he didn't want to throw it. That's why he didn't didn't throw the fight. Yeah, I took it as he was a much better fighter than his record showed. Exactly. Um, yeah, and he just threw a ton of fights. That, that's 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 yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. What do you think about the opening credits? We hadn't talked about that. That's that. It's kind of cool. Cool. I mean, cool effect. Yeah. The thing that jumped out at me though is that we saw the. Um, the red, the red horned costume as part of those credits, which what makes you wonder is that what we're going to ultimately see in the in the show? Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's it's like traditional red costume daredevil look. So yep. I don't know that we're going to see that, but again, it's just interesting. It kind of goes with the whole. There's not a lot of detail in those images, so it's a lot of like the flowing red, but it, it's not quite the color of blood. So. Um, I don't know. It just it was such an it's it's very bold. I'll, I'll say that. I'll just say very bold. Um, you know, just the way you saw you know the different landmarks of the city mm-hmm. being uh, uh, being uh, rendered or formed by the drop, dripping blood was just um, you know it was telling. You know basically that this the city is being going to be blood soaked when you're all done. It was kind of a combination for me, uh, Russ. I know you've seen both of these things. I don't know if Ken has. Um, it reminded me of the Game of Thrones opening. You know, bit, with yeah. the sort of creation of the different structures, you know, in this case, it's blood dripping and Game of Thrones. It's kind of like mechanical. It rises out of the ground and and a little bit of those Fincher openings from uh, maybe Dragon Tattoo. Oh, you yeah. know how it formed out of the liquid and everything. It was kind of a combination of those two things. Not a knock. It's just what came to mind when I saw it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I watched it. So for the first, I guess, three episodes, I actually watched it all three times because I was waiting to see if it was going to do like Game of Thrones where it would change, you know, depending on maybe where they were, or what they were talking about. And it's it stayed pretty static. So. Um, but it's 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 a little hypnotizing, um, too. I like Wesley. I like I like Wesley. Yeah, yeah. I do, too. He's got this calm, cool, diabolical uh, D bag. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> And Love some of the stuff him. that we see later on uh, just continues to reinforce re- reinforce that. Nothing bothers him. Nothing shakes him, it seems, which means when he finally does, he's going to be broken at some point in this series, I think. And he doesn't come across as the stereotypical right-hand man of the main villain that, I, I don't know, just the, he, he's a, a lot smoother than those guys usually come across like a lot of times they're either overly protective or they're just muscle or they're they have an angle like an obvious angle that they're you know they're trying to to get to get at and i don't get that from wesley at all i just i think he's happy with the position he's in because 
uh, now that may change. Well, I don't want I don't want to give anything away, but th- that may change. But at least for now, he is the front man. He is the voice. He is the the face of of the boss. Yeah, and one thing I know is he's he's generally very calm. Nothing bothers him. But there were a couple of times where he started talking about um, the bosses. You know, we don't say his name. Uh, his displeasure about something or about the man in black, and his voice would crack, or he just get this little tremor, or just something about his demeanor changes subtle, ever so subtly. That he seems like you know, either he's getting the pressure on th- this one item, or this one thing is bothering Fisk so much that it's even scaring Wesley. Yeah, I caught that during uh, during the meeting on the construction site among all the heads, and then again. Uh, in the uh, in in the taxi garage before. Oh, never mind. That's later on. <laughs> <laughs> I said I knew it was going to happen. I was talking about things that were in later episodes. So, so John, one of the things I, I'm curious to get your opinion on is the the fight choreography. Because to me, this is I've heard it described as like the raid level uh, type of fighting. To me, this is obviously at a much higher level than what we see. We've been pretty generous about talking about the fight choreography on Arrow. We've talked about how it's gotten better with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But to me, this is definitely movie-level fight choreography, and it's not the... It doesn't come across as being the over... Like, almost like dance. Like, I guess maybe like the Wushu style. It comes across as very brutal um, and and very well-orchestrated. The one thing that's this jumped out to me, and I'm wondering if this is going to be a means we're starting a departure from it, is it wasn't that up close, shaky cam, barely be able to see the fights kind of direction, kind of photography. It was, I mean, it was pulled back enough that you could see both figures clearly. You saw the fight, you saw what they were doing, and it it really made a bigger impact on me than than that real you know close up style, shaky cam style fighting that we become so used to. Yeah, it, it it screams of the raid uh, influence for me. Um, even I, I think it ha- it happens in episode two, but uh, <laughs> you know the tight hallway, claustrophobic yep, fighting. Yep. yep. Oh my um, gosh, that's a, such an amazing scene. Yeah, and that I mean the whole raid movie for anybody that hasn't seen it uh, is basically a hallway fight. Like, they basically yeah. are climbing the floors of a building and having a yeah. fight in every hallway and every tiny apartment in the building on the way up. Right. Um, and, and I see a lot of that definitely uh, realistic-based. Um, and that's what, you know, that's what Daredevil and Matt Murdock is. He doesn't have super speed. He doesn't have superpowers. No, no. You know, he's a brawler that can take punishment. I mean, even even differently, I was going to make the comparison to Captain America, but even the Black Widow, who seems like she can put a man down with one shot, you know, but she's also a very professionally trained assassin. Murdoch, he's a boxer when yeah. it comes down to it. And especially in that hallway scene, he's, when he's got his hand, hands wrapped with the rope, you know, anything he can, he's got to put it, he's putting his whole body into these shots to the point where it's then his whole body's falling through, falling to the ground, bouncing off walls, whatever he can do to recover and just be the last man standing. Not at all like Captain America who's like running down the deck of that ship, you know, when every punch has to count because he's got to get that guy down so he can move on to the next. This was like, these guys were coming back up, you know, every every one of them came back, got back up at least once. So he had to fight these, what, a dozen guys there, at least twice. And usually three on one or more. 
Yeah, I really appreciated the the year one feel. I mean, he gets yeah. hit, he messes up a lot. You know, he he needs to stop and catch his breath. You know, uh, it really it, it's just a great job. It, it's so high level of a, of choreography, like Russ said. It's not it's not a dance, and it's not uh, it doesn't look like it's choreography. It looks right. like a street fight. It, it's not uh, crouching tiger, hidden dragon kind of kind of stuff. No. No. <clears throat> this isn't a Wu Ping joint. No, and that stuff is good in its own right. But sure. this is, you know, for Daredevil, this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely met the tone that, you know, cer- certainly exceeded my expectations. Uh, they they weren't that high, more because I don't know the character as well as you guys do, or certainly more than John does. But it was, uh, it just satisfied me completely. The Foley work it was something else that jumped out at me, especially during the fights when they, you know, when somebody pulls out a knife, it's over-exaggerated, the noise the knife makes. When somebody cocks the, the slide on a gun, yep, it's, it, you know, it's it's obviously meant so that, you know, Matt hears that, um, the chain slapping against the, um, the ladder or whatever that was. I mean, just all of that stuff is just, is just so well done. Again, that a lot of exaggerated Foley. Um, and not for the sake of obnoxiousness, but for this, for the sake of understanding that that's how Matt's abilities yeah. work. And it's just, uh, again, just they, you know, I, I guess you got to give most of the credit to Stephen tonight because he just, uh, you know, he's the showrunner on this deal. And I guess him and Drew Goddard, you know, this is their, yeah. their baby from inception. And it's, it's just, uh, they just, they just did a remarkable job. I mean, I was, I had pretty high hopes for it. I thought it was going to be pretty good because, uh, you know, so far the stuff we've seen has been pretty top notch. But after watching that first episode, I was it definitely exceeded my expectations. I was pretty blown yep. away with with how it ended up coming across. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to cut in real quick uh, over on the YouTube channel right now. Live, we've got the modern gaffa is uh, uh, listening in and leaving some comments. And among them, he put in there. Have you guys not seen the revealed red suit? And it's like, yeah, no, I've seen a, a poster or something like that, but I haven't seen anything on film. So I'm just going to still hold out and let myself be surprised uh, or pleased, you know, when it comes out on, on actual film. Yeah. I pretty much went to uh media blackout stage. Yeah. You know, two weeks ago or so, but he does agree. The episode two fight is amazeballs. Amazeballs. The is. other thing I have to reference is old boy. Russ, I know you've seen Old Boy as well. Oh, yeah. Is it more Raid or is it more Old Boy or is it an amalgamation of the two? <laughs> uh, it's probably more Raid. The Old yeah. Boy hallway well, fight has a hammer. Something, something happens in one of the episodes down the road that uh, um, that has a real Old Boy feel to it. Uh, and when we talk about uh, episode four, I think we'll elaborate. Somebody a eats a live that, squid. Yeah. You got a live tweet? No, I said, does somebody eat a live squid? No. That happened to him. Okay, no. no one uh, live not squid. quite. <laughs> not okay. quite. There's, there's just, yeah. And I guess that's something else to talk about, you know, talking about uh, the level of maturity with this show. I mean, this is not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is definitely not Agent no. Carter. This isn't no. even... This isn't even the Avengers. This yeah, is, this isn't even Avengers. This is... This is something, you know, for people that maybe have been a little critical since Marvel, since, you know, the fact that Disney owns Marvel and that maybe they're kind of toning things down, which, again, I don't mind. Uh, I like the fact that you could take a six or seven year old, even though it's PG-13, I mean, depending on how liberal you are with that kind of stuff, 
you can feel pretty confident in taking them to see the Avengers or or a Captain America movie, and they're not going to see anything or hear anything that's going to you know um, be too out of out of the way for for me personally. I mean, um, uh, you know, it, under that, you know, it's a little questionable. This is definitely something like, you know, if you have a teenager or something like that, obviously it's fine. But I think this is Marvel saying, we know the adults have wanted something of their own that they could that could kind of have and and get. And I think these passel of characters fit that mold. And the fact that it's on Netflix uh, it is the perfect format for it. And I, I think right. they're just embracing the format and they're taking it just to that point and not quite going over the top. I mean, we're definitely getting more language than we're used to, to getting. Uh, the violence in a couple of these episodes is right on par with anything we see on FX or AMC. You know, there, there's stuff that's, you know, almost equivalent to what we've seen on shows like The Walking Dead um, or even, you know, some of the more hardcore HBO shows. Uh, you know, maybe not quite Spartacus level, but but there's a couple of things that happen that are pretty close to that. So, uh, I, you know, it, it's it's been, for me, a pleasant surprise. I know, John, that's that was one of the things you were, I think, a little concerned with up front was – if they were if they weren't going to go hard enough with this show yeah it it makes me realize that there really needs to be a punisher netflix series because this is enough you know what i mean like yep. it doesn't it doesn't have to get to spartacus you know stars level which it is not it's somewhere in between there and pg13 i would say yep and uh and like that's all that punisher would need to be or any marvel knights brand uh you know characters would need to be yep it was it was just enough there's blood there's language it's not overly you know excessive and it gets the point across and i'm good with it cool yep yep uh i'll do do a little comment here i i i apologize for those watching live uh i've been looking at the q a on the live hangout and not the YouTube page. And as Ken pointed out, we were getting some, some traction on the actual YouTube page. So I'm uh, flip over to that. Um, Jason added a comment and said that uh, he's excited to see how daredevil will eventually tie into the MCU in some way. So I assume he's meaning, um, you know, actually daredevil, that character being either in one of the theatrical releases or being more tied into the, to the main characters that we know. Yeah, because clearly, I mean, we talked about at the top of the show about the uh, references to the Battle of New York. Sure. Crusher Creel being in there. So he's definitely there. But I think for right now, their intentions are to keep it keep it on the street level right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at least until they get, you know, past this the story that they're that they're telling. Yeah. Right? And I and think they, that means all getting it all the way to Defenders and then we'll see what happens. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I really think so. I mean, unless, you know, anything could happen. I mean, if it just turns out that... Uh, Netflix goes back to Marvel and says, you know what, this is the biggest thing we've ever done. The numbers are off the chart. You know, our subscription stuff is up or, you know, just if they give some information back to Disney that just really shows that this character is exceeding their expectations, you know, maybe Marvel decides to do anything. But I'm happy. I'm I'm happy with it not being quite as um, connected as maybe even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is. I'm happy with them with cursory mentions. I'm happy with knowing this takes place in the same world, seeing newspaper articles or mentions to the, you know, the incident or the Battle of New York. I don't need to get a name drop of Steve Rogers or Natasha Romanoff or Thor every other yeah. episode. I'm Hell, I don't even want fine. a S.H.I.E.L.D. vehicle to drive through the, the scene. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm perfectly happy with, you know, the way they've set this up so far. Oh, the newspaper. So uh, when when eventually the the USB stick gets found and Matt takes it to the newspaper, I wonder if that Disney uh, Sony deal had been worked out sooner, if we would have seen it be the Daily Bugle instead uh. of the New York Bulletin. Well, the reporter is our favorite Daredevil reporter, and that could have gone either yes. way. Yep. That would have been nice. it would have been a nice tie if they could have done that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, I don't think this is a spoiler to say he's gonna be in there, but we'll meet in a later episode, uh Ben Urich. That's another character we don't get to really talk about this time around, but I'll just say that I'm uh, I'm very satisfied with him as well. And they start so the other thing is at the beginning of the episode, um it starts out with the or, basically the origin. I mean, the, it starts out with the accident. I like how it was just quick, simple, quick, done, simple from Dad's point of view, Jack's point of view. Yep. It's almost like we're getting, and I hate to make this comparison, but uh, like an Arrow type of, or maybe maybe yeah, Arrow's even a bad a bad uh, comparison. Maybe like Lost, where we're going to get the backstory filled in. Um, as the episodes go by, that we're you know again, it's not a linear. Uh, origin story which i think is is it works good it's like the, the the parts of the origin tie into the episode in some way like there's some lesson that's learned in the flashback that ties into the to the current episode um the more you know yeah yeah and, and i don't think it's a spoiler at this point to say the first two episodes we don't see stick there's no mention of stick um yeah i cheated and looked at the synopsis on each uh yeah on each one, I think it's gonna be like episode six before we see him. Yeah, yeah. So that's again, they're taking. They got thirteen episodes. They could they could take it slow um, and move things forward. But I don't ever get the impression that it's dragging. I mean, uh, it it moves at a pretty good pace. There's there's enough of a breakdown between uh, action, dialogue, characterization. We even get some courtroom stuff uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and you know mm-hmm. them being lawyers. I mean, there's stuff that goes on that you know that right. they're, they're starting their practice. They got to pay the bills. Yo, the stick thing. I'm sorry. The, the stick thing is actually interesting to me now because you would think. Do you, well, let me back up. Do you think he's been trained at this point, or do you think it's all his boxing skill that yeah, he no, picked I up think from he's been his trained. father. And, he's, been, he's been trained. Okay, but okay, so this is no Batman Begins, though. He didn't disappear to Tibet for three years. He went to law school. You know, he's been, he's been all this way with Foggy. They went to school together. They went to law school. They stayed in Hell's Kitchen. You know, they haven't allowed for a gap of time where he was going to go pick up this fighting no, skill no he didn't i don't think he was he wasn't trained to be uh, a crime fighter a soldier superhero he probably was trained to defend himself now we what we haven't seen and what we may see before this is over is what got him to put on the mask we haven't really seen that yet yeah and we may I'm, not for some time and i hate to i mean only just because i've seen it in the trailer that you definitely see young matt murdoch interacting with stick yeah, and well, I won't say what it says, but you just go read the synopsis for episode six, and you'll see that 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 supports what Russ just said. Okay, so this is probably—I don't remember the origin of Stick in the comics exactly, but I, I thought of him more as like an Asian influence, you know, like he taught him in the ways of the ninja and stuff. So they're probably getting away from that, and it's going to be more of 
somebody around the gym that wanted to help Matt out after he lost his father type thing. That's possibly. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Without knowing, because I haven't seen that episode yet, I would uh, I would agree with that one because there definitely is some martial arts in his fighting besides sure. oh, boxing. Yeah, I mean, sure. he's spin kicking and jump kicking, and so there's definitely a little more than boxing in there. But I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't expect him to be trained by ninjas. Correct. No. Yeah. No, I'm with I would, you. There. I, would, I would go with that. And then. Um, one of the uh i was going to say one again i'm only 5 episodes in i'm not real i'm not this is speculation i'm not spoiling um but the character of nobu um they keep mentioning like he's working for someone um we know he's japanese we know he has to answer to uh so peter shinkoda's character of nobu uh so i'm wondering if if the hand isn't going to come into play that way, like if if uh, uh, if that maybe that's who he answers to is is that organization. So I'm I'm curious. Yeah, we got an idea of all those different um, crime bo- bosses. bosses. We we got yeah. an idea of what each one does. We didn't get a clear idea. I thought of what Nobu's doing. Yeah, he was looking at some building plans or some some drawings of the city, uh, and that's about it. We don't really know what he's up to. Everyone else and has Russ, a pretty good idea where they're at. Yeah. That actually reminded me of Shadowland. Remember when oh, they yeah. like rebuilt yeah. the section of the city to be like yes. Shadowland Ninja Headquarters? Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, and that was it too. So Madame Gao has all the blind people working. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of similar like in the typical drug gangster movie that's always the chicks in their underwear that are that are bagging right. the coke so they don't steal it. Um so instead, they have uh, people that are blind that are working. I guess because then they wouldn't know technically what they were working with. Or and and it looked. See, I thought they just can't and see I anything. Identify to- what they see, right? And I and I totally took it as they blinded them, oh, right? Because yes. it looked like the people had like burnt eyes. Yes, their eyes. And were, I thought were... that's where the trafficked people were going. Oh, could be. So it like could, they were it... they were putting people in those containers and could sending be. them to to you know. To bag the coke after they blinded him. Certainly Maybe. could be. Yeah. Which is brutal. Yeah. So are by osmosis, have we entered episode two or are we... we... We need to officially call it that we're now just officially talking about episodes one and two because I think most of what we want to talk about is in two anyway. One was a great setup to get us get us moving. Um, yeah. The, the, the thing that, that got us to meet Karen Page was a good kickoff to the whole thing and got us to uh, introduce us to... Fisk and everybody else, but beyond that, and that's going to play out some more down the road too. Um, trying to find out what happened to her boss, why she was framed, but I don't think there's much more to talk about with that. Um, but episode two, of course, is where we meet uh, the night nurse, and we already talked at length about that that great fight scene at the end. A single shot. I mean, obviously, it wasn't. I'm they. they there were a couple places where they do extreme close up kind of thing. Like if yeah. you've ever seen. Um, the Hitchcock movie Rope. There's there's really clever ways they they are able to switch reels in the camera and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, that, I I that I made a note of that. It looks just like it was. It looks like it was really a one shot mm-hmm. uh, sequence. But yeah, he like said he'll a door will close and the the screen will go black enough that you can make a cut there. Things like that happen, obviously. But you know the the favorite effect of that or how they did that is when the camera would go through the fight and change directions, go to the other angle. Yeah. You know, great, great little uh, uh, turn there. And a pretty cool effect because at first, 
when it happened, it was like, wait a minute, they're not showing what's going on. It, you, you know, obviously he breaks the door and we hear a bunch of stuff, but we don't see it. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, he starts tossing people outside and then that's when it makes sense. You're like, okay, they're doing this as a one, as a one take shot. And it's just, you're following, you know, as if you were, you were a witness to this. Uh, and I think it, it came across really well. I think it add it adds to the brutality of it. I think that's where we get, you know, John, like you were saying, this is much, that is much more like the raid or even like old boy where, you know, you're just looking at this single take and all this crazy stuff that's going on and, you know, He's knocking guys down and they're getting back up again and he's using the wall as leverage to, you know, to hit harder and literally he's throwing punches that are causing him to fall, you know, through the punch and he has to pick himself back up. And, um, you know, the, again, he's, he's not, you know, this isn't just uh, uh, clean fighting where the, you know, the guy doing the, the stunt work is just, uh, you know, coming out unscathed that, you know, he's actually getting, uh, getting pummeled pretty good. Yeah. I love the um, Karen and Foggy's night out. <laughs> yeah, drink the eel. Drink it the it eel. made a nice. It made for a, a very cool sort of balance from going to Matt and all that tense stuff with, uh, you know, with Claire and and the cop showing up at the apartment that wasn't a cop, and then going back and Foggy and Karen are drunk and we're getting a little backstory on what's happened with Karen and. You know, then they're knocking on Matt's door, trying to get him to come out. Meanwhile, he's, you know, getting patched up. Or I guess at that point, he was out cold on Claire's couch. Yeah, that was some good, a nice, uh, a nice balance, right? It got tense and 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 gritty, for lack of a better term. But then it, we got a little comic relief back and forth in there. Yeah, I got two questions from the just to relate back to the comics. First off, the uh, the kid who found him and and got Claire's attention. Uh, and he plays up, uh, shows up again later on. Is he? Is he? Was he here just for this this show, or is he? In I believe comics? so. Yeah, okay. right, I, I had never heard of him. Yeah, that's fine. And up on the rooftop, which was a, another great interrogation scene, showed what Matt's capable of to get what he wants. But aside from that, the mask that uh, he had uh, Claire wear, um, does she? Does Night Nurse have a costume or wear a mask like that in the comics, or was that, was that again just for the for the scene? There might have been a scene similar to this one where she put one on, but not regularly. No, she's not a, like a hero. She's in a basement, you know, yeah. being a nurse. A lot she's of not, okay. uh, I know in the early I, days she was almost dressed more like a Florence Nightingale kind of thing, where she yeah, literally yeah. wore the you know the old timey nurses, you know, outfit and, and yeah, yeah, and the whole in the whole bit. Um, yeah. And I love how, uh, you know, the you-know-what is hitting the fan right away. Like, if you know Matt Murdock, you're in for some trouble. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think Foggy had mentioned it already at this point. Like, another, you know, when, when X, Y, and Z happens to Matt Murdock, it <laughs> usually means, you know, misery for Foggy Nelson. There's some line like that yeah. Yeah. early on. And that's pretty much... That's the tone of the comic, pretty much. I mean, this guy, I know it's changed with Mark Wade recently, but the Brubaker Bendis stuff, like, Matt could not catch a break. Yeah. Like, it was just bad event after bad event. Everybody he knows gets hurt, you know. Every woman he meets is trouble. That's just the life of Matt Murdock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we talked a little bit about Crusher Creel, about the fight, that, yep, he was, sure enough, he was the... the 
the last fight that Jack was supposed to throw but didn't. You know, true to the origin as I know it, at least. Um, but not one mention, and I like this, not one mention of any ability or powers or anything weird about Creel. He's probably too early in his career to really have either used that ability or, you know, who knows, we don't know how he got it either, uh, you know, to the Absorbing Man ability he has. But, again, no mention. Just the fact, they could have used anybody, but the fact that they used Crusher Creel is really for us. Yeah. yeah I thought, absolutely. you know, just you know, some little bit of fan service, make another subtle connection, but nothing nothing major, and it's all we needed. Uh, but it was a, definitely a nice touch, and it fit, it fit nicely. I got I got to wonder what came first, or if it was a collaboration. You know, using Creel in Agents of Shield, which made sense for what they were doing with the with the Diviner, um, and then Daredevil picked up on it and said, "Hey, he's a boxer. We could do this." Um, or if they worked together on that to some degree. And being that it's all on the quote unquote TV side of the house, it's very probable that uh, uh, Jeff Loeb would said, "Hey, yeah, you know, you guys, you know, can work this out." Sure. I like the bit with the fire extinguisher where he realized that he didn't believe what Claire had yeah. said. And so he just grabs the extinguisher and listens, 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 and then just yep. lets it go and knocks him out cold. Jumping back to the flashback and the thing that Jack and I alluded to this earlier, um, I really felt uh, for the position that Jack was in trying to make sure his son had a better life than he had, make sure he studied, make sure he had all the opportunities that he never had and the angst that it caused him to make these choices to throw a fight or to whatever, like like the scene, the flashback scene before the accident when uh, when Matt was patching up his dad and his dad pulls the money out and it's like you know even when you lose sometimes you win, uh, just the, the pain in his eyes, pain in his voice that what he had to do to uh, to make that money, you know it would disgrace at least he thinks it would disgrace himself in the eyes of his son. His son probably would still love him, but it it it. it that that scene got to me, and again, I'm not trying to make a comparison, good, bad, or otherwise, to the movie, but it wasn't until after the accident that we saw uh, Matt having that relationship with with Jack in the movie, um, and I really enjoy that. That's always been what they had, uh, and then when he called his, I assume his ex-wife to, uh, or Matt's mom to uh, prepare her to take care of him, just left a message. It's like clearly things weren't good between them. But it was enough that hey, your son, your son needs you. Well, and depending on, I don't, I hate to spoil that because depending on how close they follow to the comics, that could be a very, uh, that that phone call could be end up being very interesting. <laughs> um, and I think I think if we get through, I think I'll say that if we get through the season and we find out who she is and she's not who John and I think she is, I think we'll probably divulge that. But okay. Uh, but just in case she is who I think she is, and John, you, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd rather not say at this point. Okay. Because uh, uh, just the way the one line in there is like, I know what I'm asking, means that this wasn't your typical phone call. No. Okay. Good enough. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, and I like how they explain that basically that's how Matt was financially taken care of for the rest of his life. That, uh, yeah. you know, that he he didn't throw the fight and that he, he won and he bet pretty much everything he had left uh, so that Matt was able to be taken care of and, uh, you know, go to law school and have that life. Cause I don't know that they've ever made the point of that in the past to say that, you know, that he actually bet on himself. I could be wrong on that, but, uh, but I thought that was cool that, that, uh, you know, that again, that's how Matt, uh, you know, wasn't just some impoverished or orphan for the rest of his life. Right. 
Yeah, and I think I do know what you're talking about. Indeed. And they needed a way to work out the money, sure. right? Because they're taking... And he went to law taking, school, for God's sake. He had to have something. Right, and and it even goes further. I mean, when we get a few episodes ahead, I think we'll have Karen possibly coming into some funds that will help out. Yeah. But, um, right. you know, they're, they're not taking money from any clients, and they, you know, they're still renting this place, and they say they have no money, but they're taking cab rides and buying booze. And, and nice smartphones. Yeah, there yeah. just needed to be some way that you could say, oh, they must have a little left over from Matt's fund or, or whatever. Yeah. It's it's funny that I thought that part in the bar was funny when uh he mentions that Ruby was having some <laughs> trouble with yeah. the uh w- you know with the permits or whatever and he they they we he helped her out. Free. With the thing we could drink for free and she just goes you absolutely cannot drink for free. Agreed, and there's a big sign in the back that says no tabs like you know. So I thought that was really funny. Uh it's funny. One thing that I was disappointed in and uh, I'm just going to put this out there because I think I know what you're going to think when I say it. But um, there's only a couple of mentions to it, and I expect this to play out pretty big later on. But Matt's Catholicism is a huge part of Daredevil's mythos. And uh, we got a little bit of it here and there, but honestly, not as much as I thought we were going to get. And we may get more, and we probably get more. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh but it just seemed like it was a little more downplayed uh, than I would have expected, uh, unless it's just too early for it yet. Well, and especially that's how they started. I mean, well, after... they started it, but it, they started in the confessional, and then they had a little right. scene on the couch, and then he made one comment about, you know, you can take a beating without falling down. It's like, oh, well, that's a Catholicism. Right. You know, it's almost like it was a one-liner. Um, it seems like always that was a stronger part of his life than uh, than what I've seen so far. Yeah, and it depends who's writing them. Honestly, that that kind of comes and goes. Like I haven't really seen it be that much of a part of the Wade run, but it definitely. Right. I mean, Miller. That credit that to Miller. I mean, Miller's the one that really yeah. brought that in. Well, I think the um, reason I was looking for more of it was because in one of the FAQs uh, or one of the interviews with the with the writers, they said, you know, are they going to touch on that? And he's like, you can't do Daredevil without talking about Catholicism. It was yeah. pretty much the answer. They they touch back on it. In a la- I'll be very coy and say that in a later episode they they come back to that briefly, uh, br- br- and- but but briefly. Well, unless right, you're right. a little further than I am, unless there's something I haven't seen yet. But there's a very brief one in like three or four. Yeah, and I'm. My impression is that that's something they're going to come back to. That I, it- I, I I did get the impression that that's a relationship between that particular priest at least that's building. Yeah, yeah. and maybe come more. So that'll be good wonder how much you know you have to assume that they were planning on this being a multi-season deal i would think right so i wonder how much you know it's only 10 episodes it's funny like we've spent all this time saying man this is a lot of content 10 hours of daredevil or whatever and and, you know we all watched five like nothing you know what i mean so like I, I wonder how much they are going to shoehorn in with all that stuff, what they're going to tease for a next season or what they can carry on throughout. You know, I mean, maybe heavy Catholicism stuff would be too much with, you know, we haven't even seen Wilson Fisk yet. Right. Up right, until this right. point, you know, so maybe it's just something they touch on, you know, kind of like Iron Man's alcoholism. They make it known that he drinks and maybe in one of the next movies he'll be a drunk. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'm curious too if there's a um, like a through line 
through the rest of the series. Like something they start here that they may not necessarily finish. Right. But it gets picked up and carried forward through Jessica Jones and maybe it gets carried forward through Luke Cage and then Iron Fist. And then that through line is resolved in the Defenders. Hard, hard to say, but I do think that they're going to leave something open for a season two. I can't believe, knowing Netflix the way I do, even things that seem like they're moderate successes, they usually get renewed. I mean, I think I heard they're going to do a season two of Marco Polo, and that wasn't the general word on the street on that was kind of lukewarm. Um, but I mean, even things like Hemlock Grove that people really kind of crapped on got two seasons and, um, you know, a couple other things that have been, you know, popular, but not really popular. And it, it you know, and obviously in the circle, we tend to, to hang in and communicate with, this seems to be a really big deal. Um, you know, a lot of people are, I haven't seen anybody give it a negative comment yet. I haven't really seen anybody, no. you know, say anything other than it's just, it's fantastic. So if that carries forward, um, I, I would think that we'll hear something fairly soon to say Netflix is going to go forward with the season two, at least of, of Daredevil. All right, cool. Which would be fantastic. Yeah, they, they have to at this point. I mean, yeah. like you said, there hasn't been a negative word about it. I can't imagine. Okay can't imagine them stopping yeah we've been going for about an hour now i think i've actually hit all the notes i've had and uh you guys have any other thing else you want to uh throw out there no no i mean i i don't have anything else on my notes i mean our uh on the on the q a side from the hangout our podcasting brother from the walking dead tv podcast jordan from jersey asked us about the opening credits uh and i didn't see that but we definitely talked about the opening credits um, but he's he's he would really enjoy the opening credits um, and really like the melody for the for that uh, that opening credits. Right. Um, and he he says he definitely feels more cinematic than the Affleck Daredevil movie did. Eh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think John and I are kind of in the camp of not hating the the Affleck. No, Daredevil. I'm right there with you not hating yeah. it. But again, uh, it had what I knew about it. But to that end, let me see if I can find a comment that. Uh, our other podcasting brother, Jim Dietz, put on his own Facebook page that I'm going to steal and credit. You know, he said it. Uh, but it kind of goes in line with that, uh, with that thought. Again, I, I I enjoyed the Daredevil Affleck one because it's what I every, – everything I knew about it, which was – I knew the origin. That's about it. The difference between the Daredevil movie and the Daredevil TV show is the difference between creators who merely skim the source material and creators who really understand it. Great stuff so far. And I think that's actually a, a – a key difference. I'm not going to say that the guys who wrote, who did Affleck's, um, didn't understand it because there definitely was, a, I, th- I thought, enough to like. Uh, but the feel on this is is definitely significantly different uh, and in a good way. Yeah. And when you have 13 hours to tell a story as opposed to, you know, an hour oh, yeah, and I mean, five, you know, it's, it's, the, it's a f- whole. The three of us dynamic. have watched at least episode four, uh, and that alone is longer than the entire Ben Affleck Daredevil movie by about a good half hour, at least probably. And it doesn't feel like it. No, it's <laughs> no, like, it no. Oh my God, this episode's over. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not going to, oh, okay, I'll watch another one. It's yep. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I probably, so I'm at, I've finished episode five. I'll probably watch another couple tonight. Um, oh yeah, I will. If, if not three, 
I'll, I'll, I'll probably watch until I start nodding off, and then I'll be like, okay, it's time to go. Um, well, I've got to get up early because I'm hitting on a bus and heading to New York, so I will, uh, if not actually be in it, I will be at least be near Hell's Kitchen tomorrow, so I'll look for some of these landmarks. Excellent. Yeah. Like a big Probably find more yuppies than ninjas. Like a big but... electronic uh, billboard sign outside of an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually kind of a funny little moment. But yeah, I'll definitely have this done before the weekend's out. I mean, if uh, probably Sunday midday, I'll probably be I'll probably be done if not if actually, not tomorrow. That reminds me of something. They really are using that neighborhood of New York as 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 much of a character or a, you know, really take advantage of that setting. There were at least two separate incidents where they use a landmark like that to connect a couple different scenes, like showing how they're really not that far from each other. Right. One of them was that electronic billboard that there was a tack going like right down the down the street where you can still see that billboard in the line of sight. Same thing with the water tower where they were interrogating the uh, the Russian um, was just like in the line of sight from Foggy and uh, and Karen's stroll down the down the street. Yeah, uh, just some just some nice moments like that that I I enjoyed and appreciated. Yep. Do you guys have anything else in your notes that we want to talk about, or should we should we start wrapping her up? No, I think we've bored people long enough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just really happy. You know, it would be, it was going to be hard to meet my expectations for one of my favorite characters. And so far, again, I've only watched the first four, but unless it takes some kind of crazy dive in, uh, in quality, you know, it's meeting all my expectations. Yeah, I'm going to jump in real quick before we go. Uh, Brad, uh, our co-host Brad has not been able to see it yet. And, um, has been unfortunately, you know, been emailing us. You know, I hate you guys. I haven't seen any of it yet. Blah blah blah. I said, well, you haven't seen it. You mean I want to watch the live video? Uh, we're going to spoil it. And he's like, if I had time to watch the live video, I wouldn't be watching the live video. But finally, he said he sat down to watch it while we've been recording. And his last email to us says, uh, just made it to the opening credits. Holy shit, etc. <laughs> so, I think we have another voice of approval here. Yeah. Well, cool. So, uh, at this point, like we talked about, so this is episode 58. Uh, 59 will be a regular Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. And then episode 60 will be, more than likely, be another Daredevil show. And whether that's just episode 3 or whether we double dip and do 3 and 4, um, not really sure at this point. But we'll definitely put in the notes, um, you know, which episodes we are talking about and try and right. do a, a, a nice split between the two so that we don't mix and mingle. Um, if folks haven't seen both, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to vote. We do at least three and four. Cause I really want to talk about four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's to come. And again, uh, these episodes will go up, um, uh, and definitely on the feed, um, for the Patreon, uh, campaign, we'll just do one as a paid episode and one as a free episode. Uh, so we stick to our four episodes a month, uh, pattern. So that's good. Um, and again, thanks everybody for joining in both on the YouTube feed and on the Q and a side on the, the hangout. Um, if you want us to do more of these, let us know. Uh, you know, this is, this is the first foray for this show for this. Um, Mm -hmm. I finally gotten to a point where I've got adult bandwidth and can, uh, (laughs) your big boy internet, big boy internet and a webcam. So I can, uh, so everybody can see my ugly mug as, as well. Face made Uh, for radio. Yes. Yes. That is true. 
Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, so this video is, will be published on the YouTube channel almost immediately, you know, as it cycles through. Uh, the audio, as you said, Russ, will go on the feed um, maybe in a day or two, I think, right? Yeah, I think we want to space that out a little bit because we just put episode 57 as you're hearing this up uh, yesterday, kind of late so yesterday. So YouTube subscri- subscri- subscribers get a bonus. Yes. You get yeah, the bonus. audio for this will probably go up on Monday. So if it's a little rough on the audio side only, uh, we apologize. Uh, like I said, this is this was just kind of a do it live, one take, no edits, no fancy yeah. tricks uh, kind of thing. So a uh, little liberating, I, I must say. Yep. Um, but yeah, definitely check out hhwlod.com for all the cool stuff that we have. Uh, there'll be links to this episode to the YouTube. There's links up to the YouTube feed. Uh, check out the Facebook page. Again, the article on the main page uh, on the hhwlod.com has all the contact information. It'll have links to the Facebook, the YouTube, the Twitter, uh, all that kind of stuff. And check out our Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash connected uh, for that. Because again, Ken and I uh, have talked about doing... A video show more regularly and uh which would mean like i said better equipment um yeah maybe some different quality level different different uh effects you know may not be live like this might be a little more produced yeah um so again we thank everybody for their support of our patreon campaign over there and um again uh we will be making quarterly contributions to charity uh for those of you know you that are supporting that campaign as well so that's uh Again, something we want to do to try and give back, um, as a lot of the the real on-screen heroes have been doing for uh, for the MCU. So we appreciate that. Uh, so until next time, this is Russ, Ken, and John live for It's All Connected. Good night. Good night.